Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. So the Sixers playing their next summer league game a few hours from now, taking on the Denver Nuggets. Philly sitting at one and two so far, obviously losing Isaiah Joe, a pretty big blow to the team. He looked, he looked really good throughout the first couple of ones before getting injured there, but hasn't been a ton of highlights. Although Paul Reed looking great in his time Again, some people have questioned why he's even there in the first place, but seeing him get those extra reps and, and he looks like, you know, hopefully doc after what we saw in the playoffs in terms of giving Reed a chance to perform in the postseason. looks like he's going to give the young man a chance to be a part of the rotation next season. And, and I think that's going to be good not only for the Sixers, good for Paul Reed personally as well. Still has to work on some of his defensive issues in terms of moving his feet a little bit more, not being so handsy, but that's part of the allure of having him on the court is he's such a disruptor on the defensive end and just very active, right? Goes after the offensive rebounds, creates some steals, is good at altering shots in terms of as a rim protector. Not the biggest guy, but also very good at, at making the guards, and especially when they come in, kind of alter their shots, which could lead to misses as well. So liking what we've seen from him, uh, Malik Ellison, he played pretty well last time out in the uh, Sixers win over Miami in Vegas there. He had 12 points, 10 rebounds, and a couple of blocks too. So again, these younger guys looking good. One person a little bit concerning has been Jaden Springer. He was taken in the first round back in, in 2021, but haven't seen a ton from him. Uh, shot selection has been poor. His shooting form doesn't look great, but again, just a 19-year-old kid still has room to perform, but I don't think at this point for what we've seen so far from him that his game has elevated enough to the next level that he looks like he could be a part of the Sixers' plans for next season, and that's obviously because Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, the entire brass, has had a pretty busy offseason so far, getting first James Harden to agree to a deal, and we don't know the official numbers yet, but what we do know is that it's going to be roughly a $15 million pay cut off of the $47.4 million option that he could have taken. Looks like it's a one plus one. He has a player option for next season. That's the 23-24 season. But we saw Maury get to work early. We heard the P.J. Tucker rumors from before, well before free agency even started. That ended up coming to fruition. Obviously, they got Dan Wellhouse, the Anthony Melton, the draft night trade that they sent the 23rd pick to the Grizzlies for. So the Sixers looking a lot better on paper at this point in terms of where things were when their season ended with that game six loss to the heat last in the spring I was gonna say last spring but pretty much well just this spring it only happened like a couple of months ago but um yeah I, I think they've had a really good offseason so far they addressed some of the needs which were to acquire some toughness obviously tucker brings that so do house 
and Melton. They wanted to bring in shooting. All three of those guys do that as well. And basically just going to give them some more options in terms of having NBA ready guys. We all thought Matisse Thybulle at this point would be a very valuable sixth or seventh man, even a starter in some cases. But what he brings on the defensive end, obviously all NBA first or second team type defensive player the last couple of seasons, but hasn't been able to effectively get better on the offensive end, right? You're basically going four on five with him on the court. So once we saw what we saw in the playoffs, it became apparent that the Sixers need to get some more of those guys. You don't want to have to play George Niang 30 minutes in a playoff game. You didn't want to have Matisse Thybulle out there for that long. Uh, Danny Green, a little bit long in the tooth, although he had some moments. Still, again, at this point in his career, not going to really help you win a championship as a prominent player. And I think that's why Daryl and co did such a good job in bringing in these like legit NBA talent wings, legit NBA shooters, legit NBA defenders, which will give the team a lot more of what it needed in order to get up to the levels of the Boston's, the Milwaukee's. Uh, I still think the Sixers would have played the heat pretty even if Joel didn't miss the first two games of that series. And so there's a lot of, of stuff that still could happen throughout the offseason. I mean, the Sixers still have some room depending on, on where Harden's deal actually comes in. Looking at roughly $4 million under the apron. Obviously, they can't exceed that uh, just to be over the cap. They're hard cap now because they use their biannual exception. They use their non-taxpayer mid-level. So they're going to have to be careful of that $156.9 million apron threshold with the luxury tax. But they can still bring in some talent depending on what type of moves they're able to make. Now, if they have roughly three or $4 million, let's say going into the season, that's going to allow them to be a player at the deadline, be a player in the buyout market. They might be able to look at bringing in some veterans on, on the minimums, right? We've heard Markeith Morris tweet out saying that, Hey, I would love to play with Philly and he's a Philly guy. So you got, you have these options out there for Warry to round out the roster. Of course, injuries are always a variable. Don't know what's going to happen on that front during the season. So if they do go into the season and, and have something happen on the injury front, they're still going to have some wiggle room to make some moves. And I think one thing to keep an eye on at this point for the Sixers is, is what is happening with the Utah Jazz. And I'll be joined by Dave King of our SB Nation sister site, Bright Side of the Sun. He's going to talk about the Aiton deal with the matching the with Phoenix matching the four-year $133 million deal um, that he signed with with the Pacers. And we're going to get his thoughts on the Donovan Mitchell stuff. And, and I think that's where this is going to be key, right? Because it looks like Danny Ainge ready to have that fire sale, obviously was able to acquire four first-round picks for Rudy Gobert a, you know, a couple of weeks ago um, in terms of sending him to the Timberwolves. So now you're looking at the market. The Knicks have eight first round picks they could offer the Utah Jazz they seem to be in the in the front seat in order to get their hands on Mitchell coming out of Utah but again that situation has to play out the Kevin Durant situation has to play out but I think the Sixers might be able to take advantage of that Utah scenario and Brian Toporek who writes for us at Liberty Ballers did a great job breaking this down basically saying hey look you could have an option here to try and take on a guy like Patrick Beverly take on a guy like Jordan Clarkson who won six man of the year just two seasons ago and you're looking at what these guys can can bring to the table uh i love clarkson as a scorer 16 points on 41.9 percent shooting um last season three and a half rebounds he shot 31.8 percent though on his three-pointer so that did come down a little bit from the season before also not a great defender but 
he gives the Sixers some options in terms of getting scoring, right? And shot creation, because as good as Melton is, as good as House is going to be, as good as P.J. Tucker is, the Sixers still are kind of lacking a guy off the bench who's going to be able to give you that. Obviously, Harden is, is the primary guy, the creator. Joel Embiid, you can create from anywhere with his back to the basket to 15 feet out. We've seen him improve so much from the three-point line. Obviously, the late in the shot clock, we saw Embiid make some crazy, weird circus shots, including that dagger that he made in, in Toronto to go up three to nothing. But looking at, um, at what a guy like Clarkson could bring is just valuable scoring, right? Tyrese Maxey, another guy, obviously, who is going to be one of the primary creators for Philly next season. But that's what I like, what, what Clarkson could bring. But again, his defense, not that great. But I think that was the goal of Daryl Morey's this offseason and adding some more guys there that, okay, even if you do have a bit of a liability on the defensive end, you still have guys like Tucker, guys like House. Obviously, Joel Embiid, a very good defender. Tobias Harris, a, a pretty good defender. So you, there you'll be surrounded and insulated a bit by the guys they have around him in a guy like Clarkson. But if you look at what Patrick Beverly could bring, right? It, it, again, he's not a great offensive player. He's a dog. We know that. Talks a lot of smack. It would definitely put a little bit of a spotlight on Philly with what he's saying. But if you look at that, there are some paths to get them. The Sixers could give up for Con Korkmaz. He's got his $5 million deal. Thibault's coming in at about 4.3, uh, even though that won't be enough to get them there because they have to clear about $10 million in order to get either Beverly or Clarkson, just a little bit north of that, 10.3 for, for Pat Bev, 10.6 for Clarkson. But if they were willing to give up on a guy like Jaden Springer, a guy like Shake Milton or Isaiah Joe, uh, Paul Reed, Charles Bassey, all these guys would give them a path along with Corkmas and Thibel in order to acquire either a Beverly or a Clarkson. So that's why I think keeping our eyes on what happens in Utah with that Donovan Mitchell situation and the sooner that gets settled and the sooner we figure out what happens on that front, then at that point, we'll be able to look at, okay, this is going to be a fire sale. Danny Ainge obviously accumulating assets like crazy, looking at all those first round picks that he could get and then seeing if the Sixers can maybe take advantage by picking off the bone by what happens there in Utah. So again, there, there's still some stuff left to play out, although the Sixers aren't going to be major players at this point for any of the big names like Kevin Durant, like Donovan Mitchell in terms of not having the packages, not having their first round picks, obviously giving up their 25 and 27 first rounders. Um, you know, so looking at, at it from that perspective and, and next season as well, that one's going out to Brooklyn because the Nets deferred. So they basically owe their 23 and 27 first rounders to the Nets. Their 25 first rounder goes to OKC, although that one is protected a little bit. I believe it's top five uh, protected for Philly. And obviously with Joel Embiid on the roster, uh, Tyrese Maxey on the roster, it doesn't look like the Sixers will be, uh, you know, keeping that pick at all come time. Uh, for three years from now, from now for the NBA draft in, in 2025. So again, they still have some room here to, to make some moves. We don't know what it's going to be yet. And like I said, once we get Harden's official contract details and going back to what I said earlier, Sham saying that it's basically a $15 million pay cut that'll put them right around 32.5, 32.4, right around there. But once we get the final numbers, we'll know exactly what the Sixers are working with in terms of cap space before they get to that apron, which obviously they cannot cross. But if they if they do have that room, they're going to have some options to bring in some veterans to maybe to round out the bench. And so if you're looking at the rotation right now, your starting lineup likely going to be Harden, Maxine in the backcourt, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. I would go with P.J. Tucker looking like the fifth starter at this point. And he can interchange with 
Toby at the three and the four. And then off the bench, you're going to have guys like Melton, guys like House, uh, Paul Reed. Like I said, looks like he's he's pretty much well played himself into a roster spot for next season. Some people were talking about Charles Bassey, maybe getting some run as a backup as a backup center, but I don't think he's shown enough yet at Summer League that he's improved that he's going to be able to, you know, get those 15, 16 minutes a night that Joel is on the bench. But again, I still think you want to round out a little bit. I like Shake Milton as a backup point guard. Uh, not going to wow you, not going to do too great in terms of being a consistent double-digit scorer, but he can hold his own. And we saw him play pretty well in spots in the playoffs. He's definitely an NBA-level guy in terms of rotationally. So I, I don't see them necessarily making that move and, and shake gives you a little bit of a scoring punch and he's not a turnstile on the defensive end. So that'll definitely help. But um, George Niang, another guy I haven't, I haven't touched on. He had a very good year last season, considering what he's paid a good shooter off the bench, high volume shooter as well, but you don't want to see him out there for 25, 30 minutes a night. Like we had to at some points during the postseason. So I do think a little bit of depth will help. Obviously I think Furkan Korkmaz, uh, struggled a lot last year. I think he is what he is at this point. So wouldn't expect him to be a big part of the rotation. And then we don't know what's happening with Matisse Thibel, right? Unless he's shooting like a thousand three pointers a day, getting ready to, to at least have some semblance of production on the offensive end. I don't know if he fits in and he's still been rumored to potentially be on the move this off season as well. So we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, the Sixers, like I said, still not fully done. So we have to see what happens here. And I think the first domino that needs to fall is Mitchell. I think the Kevin Durant thing's not going to get sorted for maybe another month or so, because now the Suns obviously signing Aiton and matching that offer sheet that the Pacers gave him at four years, $133 million. So that makes the path for Phoenix to try and get Kevin Durant a little bit tougher. Coming up after the break, I'm going to do a deep dive on that. Like I mentioned earlier, Dave King of our SB Nation sister site, Bright Side of the Sun, will join me to talk about the Aiton deal, how it impacts the Suns, not only in the short term, but the long run, and also get his thoughts on the Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell situations, and how likely he thinks it is that the Suns still have a shot at KD. So that's coming up after a short break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we are back. Joining me now, he's been covering the Suns for SB Nation for a decade now, Mr. Dave King. He runs our SB Nation sister site, Bright Side of the Sun. Dave, first off, 
it's the middle of July and we're still have so much to talk about in the NBA. Um, are you happy that we're going through this with the Kevin Durant stuff? Obviously we'll jump into Deandre Ayton, but Donovan Mitchell, it's as good for us from a content standpoint. Oh, this is, this is great. It's just a big waiting game though. You know, I mean, we got finally got some Deandre Ayton news on Thursday of this week and it all happened at one time, but we've still got the Kevin Durant thing lingering out there. So basically you've got a son's team, who went into the playoffs as the number one seed, won a franchise record 64 games, flamed out spectacularly in the second round in a way that I don't think anyone's going to ever be able to explain. And now two weeks into free agency, three weeks since the draft, the only two players guaranteed to be on the Suns roster come October are DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. Everybody else could be had in trade if a Kevin Durant trade could come up if any other trades come up it's just crazy that there's been no change on the roster except for the bottom couple of people but there's no change in the playing rotation two weeks into free agency but by opening night there might be a a whole sea change yeah and that's the interesting part right because we we had heard these eight rumors for quite some time basically since you know we were into the draft and and got to the start of free agency where it was Oh, I don't know if he's going to come back in terms of, you know, I think the Suns remain pretty adamant that he would, but a lot of the NBA insiders talked about the Pacers who ended up obviously signing DeAndre Ayton to a offer sheet at four years, 133 million. The Suns took mere minutes to, to match that. So uh, basically that means that Ayton can't be traded now until mid-January. So it's basically what, six, seven months um, from the time that we're recording this podcast. When you saw the news that, and it was kind of leaking out that the Pacers, one of the only two teams in the NBA who had enough room to sign him to a deal like that, uh, that he put basically the pen to paper, signed with them. Did you know this whole time that, hey, there's no way they're letting Aiton go, regardless of the Aiton for Miles Turner or whatever rumors we saw coming out? No. <laughs> uh, no, we had no <laughs> idea. In fact, most most of the uh, hangers on, most of the casual fans, most of the insiders, most of the people closest to the team up and down the line, we all expected DeAndre Aiden would be the one guaranteed not to be on next year's opening night roster. And now he's one of only two players guaranteed to be on opening night roster. Because now, I will tell you that I thought there was zero chance the Suns would just let him go on an offer sheet. There was no way that was going to happen. You don't let a highly productive former number one overall pick, still just 23 years old, almost 24 um, had an excellent playoffs two years ago, had a great playoffs this year until that last few games where everybody didn't. Um, no, you don't just let him go for nothing. There was no way if an offer sheet was presented, there was no way the Suns were going to let that go and let him leave. But we all did expect a sign and trade. We all did expect that the Suns were done with, look, he's, they're really a mature team. The rest of the Suns team is really mature. Even Devin Booker is only 25, but he's, He's more mature than his age. Mm -hmm. And DeAndre Eaton is just a kid playing. You know, he's playing. He's just having fun. And so it's it's rubbed people the wrong way a little bit. Even though he's incredibly productive, he's not really scratching the surface of his potential. So we all assumed that the Suns would move on from DeAndre in a very in a very productive way. Like I always assumed the Suns would end up with a better team at the end of the summer than they left at the end of last season. But how they got there was still up in the air. And I thought they'd use DeAndre Ayton to start making those moves. Now he's coming back. They may end up running back the entire team, which isn't the worst thing from last year's number one seed and, and uh, potential finals favorite. 
Yeah, that's the, that's the interesting part, right? You look at you look at Aiton. He's been in the league four years. He's a double double machine. The average one, you know, pretty much all every single season that he he's been in the league shoots almost sixty percent from the field for his career. But we saw him struggle a bit in that second round series, like you were, like you mentioned, the loss to to the Mavericks. When you look at him, and as you mentioned, he's about to turn twenty four. Where does he have room to grow, or where he's at right now is pretty much what you think he's going to be throughout his career, which again is a very, very high level player. He's definitely got a lot of room to grow. I mean, here's the thing: he's just scratching the surface. He is he is working from fairly good work ethic and and incredible natural talent, and he's already one of the most productive players in the game. He is very arguably hard to argue against that he's a top five center in the league. Now he's being paid like that. He's basically a top 40 player in the league. He's being paid like that. This is all, he's just scratching the surface. He's being paid on what he currently does. And he could far exceed that if he ever locks in snaps too and becomes, you know, more focused on, on becoming the best he can possibly be. Uh, you know, this is, he's the kind of guy that Kobe Bryant, for example, back in the day, used to get frustrated with because and and um, because he wasn't like applying every second of every moment, every breath toward becoming a better NBA player. But he's still pretty, really, really good. And so he's just scratching the surface. He will get better because he does have a good attitude. He does work, and that's just gonna come. And the Suns are now going to be the beneficiaries of that. Hey, you mentioned him, you know, ranking amongst the top five centers in the league. Obviously, as a person who covers the Sixers, we get to see one of the best, if not the best, in, in my opinion, in Joel Embiid. You also mm-hmm. have Nikola Jokic. Where where do you think Aiton has to improve the most in order to maybe get up to those guys' level? Well, look, he's got the natural talent to get up into those guys' levels as far as impact on a game. He has the natural talent. He doesn't necessarily have the mental uh, side of it to get there. But I mean, look, there's a big drop off. There's a big drop off after Embiid and Jokic. Um, if you, it depends on whether you consider Giannis a center or a forward, but basically there's, there's two or three really great centers out there. And then, and then he's the, one of the best of the rest, right? So, and it all depends on what you're looking for in a player. Aiden can, uh, can continue to grow his offensive game can continue to develop maybe an off the dribble uh, game where he can actually create shots on his own. Uh, he can become an all defense player. He's definitely got the talent to be an all defensive player. Uh, those kind of things is where he can grow, but he is, he's one of the most naturally gifted two way players in the game. And, uh, and that's just going to improve. Will he ever get to do all Embiid status or Nikola Jokic status? No, I really don't think so. Um, but he'll be one of the best of the rest beyond behind that. Dave, looking at this now from the perspective of Kevin Durant, right? We've heard KD was enamored with either being in Phoenix, was what we've heard is that was his number one choice. Also, Miami Heat, obviously up there. Uh, people thought, hey, maybe the Brooklyn Nets would would take on DeAndre Ayton and, and get some picks from, from the Suns. And that was, you know, kind of what the package was being looked at. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. When you look at the Suns' pursuit of KD, what is the path now to, to get him? Yeah, the only path to get him is the Suns being the last team standing. So the Suns do not, absolutely not, have the best talent available to trade for 
Kevin Durant. And because they're, they're two all-stars are not really, you cannot trade Devin Booker right now because he just um, agreed to that max extension. Plus the Suns are not going to trade Devin Booker to get Kevin Durant. That's a one, you know, that's, that's not yeah, the swap not. they're looking for. Yeah. Chris Paul, nobody's going to take Chris Paul for that. He's, he's their other all-star. And then DeAndre Ayton is untradeable for at least six months. Um, and he was tough to include anyway, because a sign in trade would have hard capped the nets, which would have forced them to actually dump another 30 million in salary after acquiring him, which just wasn't going to work for the Nets. So really the Suns are just hoping to be the last team standing. They are the, the only team that Kevin Durant currently wants to play for and superstars pretty much get their way. You remember Anthony Davis getting to the Lakers. I mean, superstars pretty much get their way on where they want to end up. The Suns don't have a great package. The best they can do is a Mikel Bridges headlined package with a bunch of draft picks. They do have all their own draft picks, but uh, it's really going to be a war of attrition. And so the Suns just need to wait until nobody else is offering all-stars either that the Nets can acquire and the Nets asking price has to come down. How likely is it that you think the Suns are going to be able to get them? Like if you look at this, because from my opinion, the, the Durant thing, it's obviously unprecedented. You don't get maybe a top 10 player of all time available like this and, and asking for a trade, especially with four years left on his deal. So when you're, when you're looking at this and we thought, you know, remember when we heard, you know, KD had, had requested a trade from the Nets, everybody was going nuts. You know what I mean? It was, it was basically a day and two of everybody was paying attention. That is still, that slowed down a little bit now, but looking at it, even from a Nets perspective, like how likely is it? Do you think that KD gets traded anyways? And if it, if it ends up being Phoenix, what do you think the chances are at this point that the Suns are going to be able to somehow pull this off before opening day? Yeah, that, that is just a great question. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I would say that the greater chance is that KD stays in Brooklyn for the beginning of the year, and then they see how content he is. Now, um, the, the Rockets did that with James Harden, and he gave them the worst month of basketball that any player could play uh, before they finally traded him. So it can happen. The, the Nets could decide that they're just going to roll with it and see, hey, let, you know what? We're a championship contender if everyone's in their right mind. But you saw that team the last couple of years. Not, they're not in their right minds there in, in the Nets to get focused enough to be a really good team. They have improved around the edges of that team around those guys already by acquiring guys like Royce O'Neal and guys like that. Um, they've made some improvements on the, on the depth of their roster and brought back the right guys as if they're going to be winners. So it, it's probable that Kevin Durant just stays with the Nets. But if he's traded anywhere else, it's almost certain that anywhere else would be Phoenix because, again, superstars get their way. And if Kevin Durant tells every other team, I'm not going to be happy there, they're not going to give up their all-star to get Kevin Durant. And that's, you know what, Dave, that's the fascinating part for me, right? At this point, because, you know, like you mentioned, okay, KD likely if he does get traded, looks like it, it would be the Suns, And, but then also looking at it from the other perspective, which is this guy's got four years left on his deal. Right. And, and we're K, you know, Kyrie Irving changes his mind as frequent as people change their underwear. He, we don't know what he's, <laughs> what he wants to do now. He's saying he wants to stay in Brooklyn. He's got one year left on his deal would be a free agent next off season. Although the Lakers still looming there as a, as a team to potentially acquire him, which I'm sure you love as a, as a Suns fan, but um, <laughs> looking at, at, at the, the KD thing, like, do you think there's any chance that Sean Marks, Joe Sire are just going to be like, you know what? dude, you're, you have four years left on your deal. You're more than welcome to sit on the sideline if you want, but we're not trading you just for the sake of trading you. Uh, 
Oh, absolutely. They could say that we're not going to trade you just for the sake of trading you. But like I said, we've seen with, with James Harden and other guys, Anthony Davis, even before he was traded to the Lakers, they, you can decide as a player to completely make it impossible to keep you on the team. And uh, that's what could happen. I don't know that it would happen because Kevin Durant is really just a now he loves playing basketball. I don't know if he can put out less than his best effort, but uh, they, they can make it very uncomfortable on a team. Uh, these superstars, mm-hmm. if they want to be traded. So um, definitely Joe Tsai should be able to say that, but you know what? Joe Tsai also just got on the record a month or two ago saying he would rather win 40 games with an, with an up and coming team that tries hard than run it back with the guys he just finished the season with. And will he change his mind on just, okay, let's run it back then with the guys who just finished the season. That's also a question. Would Joe Desai even want to come back with that same team? Um, I, I totally get it. If I was the Nets, I'd be trying to talk Kevin Durant into happiness again, whatever it took. But um, they also didn't want to bring Kyrie back, and that's one of Kevin Durant's best friends. So it's, it's, it's a touchy situation for the Nets, but they could certainly hold on to him and make him play out the contract. You just don't want a really unhappy guy on your team because that, that just spoils the entire thing. So it, it, it's, it's going to be a lot of ego massaging this summer, one way or another, to figure this stuff out. Yeah, and, and and I think that's what everybody's kind of holding their breath waiting for, right? Because like I said, we started hearing this around the draft and we got into free agency and everybody was like, whoa, you know, like when is this going to happen? As I said, for people who have to create content and talk about the NBA, this is gold for us because we're not sitting here trying to come up with random things to talk about in the middle <laughs> of July. Um, want to touch on Donovan Mitchell with you as well, Dave, looking at, at his situation. And it's crazy to me. I mean, we saw the Timberwolves trade four first round picks three of them unprotected, a one with top five protection, and then one unprotected pick swap for Rudy Gobert. Uh, that obviously was like, whoa, that was a lot. Again, Rudy Gobert, obviously. That was crazy. All defensive team, you know, first team, uh, all defense, pretty much all well, the last five, six years. But looking at, at what Mitchell could bring in now, right? We're hearing that the Knicks, a team who has eight first-round picks that they can they can um, offer up to Utah. How do you think that situation is going to play out? Danny Ainge came in there before last season. Obviously, the team imploded yet again in the playoffs. Couldn't get out of the first round. But looking at at that Jazz squad, like where do you think Donovan Mitchell ends up? Is it likely that he he goes to the Knicks, or do you think there's another team looming out there that might be able to try and get their hands on him? You know. It, that, it, that it, the the whole jazz thing is 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 actually ruining not ruining but it's complicating the entire summer for all the other teams. Nobody was talking about eight draft picks for Kevin Durant. So going back to that for just a second, or five, or seven, or six, until Rudy Gobert got five, and then now all of a sudden the Nets can't possibly trade Durant for less than that. You know, it's like it ruined everything. And now the Donovan Mitchell, if you can actually trade Donovan Mitchell to the, if they choose to trade Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks and they get even more draft picks, six, seven draft picks back um, uh, picks and swaps back for, for Donovan Mitchell from the Knicks. Cause the Knicks do have those extra ones. Now, all of a sudden it's like, wow, like what the heck, how the heck did Utah get 13 draft picks or 12 draft picks back for those two guys? who flamed out, never got out of the second round of the playoffs. It's just uh, that that's thrown the entire trade market for a loop. Um, it, it, but I, I am a believer that draft picks are, are really not as valuable as people have always made them to be because 
even 60% of lottery picks don't make it to being really good NBA players. Uh, You know, even among the top three, too many of those fail. Um, So the draft has never been an end all to beat all for me. I always thought uh, the the draft picks were overrated. Now they're almost underrated, giving up five, six at a time. Um, So my, my take on the whole Donovan Mitchell thing is, you know what, good on the Knicks if they want to bring him in. He is an all-star. He is a little undersized, putting him next to Jalen Brunson. I, I I don't know if we'll be able to see. They'll have to do uh, zoom in on the on the cameras on the court. But basically, you know, the, those guys are um, are really talented. But I don't know how they're going to hold up in the playoffs as a tandem. Uh, but you know, good on the Knicks for trying to do that. The whole trade landscape though is crazy with the number of draft picks that are being just thrown about because people don't care about them. That's that's what stood out to me the most. What, what do you think when you look at, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, I, I think Sixers fans would actually be okay with Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks because like you mentioned that that is a undersized backcourt. If I've ever seen one, they'd have to make up a lot of um, prowess on the defensive end with those yeah. two as your, as your starters, as good those as are Donovan not defensive Mitchell players, by no. the way, so yeah. they're not even going to make up for it on the defensive end. No. And, 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 and I think that's the thing where I, I like Jalen Brunson. Obviously he did, he did really well against the Suns in the, in the second round series, but to me, uh, not a guy who's going to be a perennial all-star or anything. Whereas Mitchell, I think obviously is, is cemented as just that looking around the, the rest of the league, Dave will wrap up after this here too. the Kyrie Irving thing, right? Like that's so tied to, to Kevin Durant. Like you mentioned, they're best friends. He wants to play with each other. Our KD wants to play with him. Uh, didn't turn out too well last year with with Kyrie's vaccine status and missing um, so many home games. And and you know, obviously, they just imploded against Boston in that first round sweep. But looking at at his situation, what do you think happens with him? Is he ultimately going to you think get back with uh, get back together with uh, with the Nets for one more year or do you think that if KD gets moved we might see Kyrie just be like screw this I want out as well yeah this is really interesting I think the mar- the market for Kyrie Irving is almost zero right now because of the potential for him to blow up the team I mean he has he has had rocky endings everywhere he's gone and so why, like, while KD changes teams, he always does well on that new team and always gives his best to that new team. Kyrie Irving doesn't. And so while he's really exciting to watch and when he's right, he's one of the best in the game. He has, tank, he has hurt several teams along the way. So I'm not sure he, uh, people are clamoring for him now. Would the Lakers love to have him? Sure, because Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is 10 times worse. <laughs> I mean, so of course they would love to swap Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook, and they wouldn't even care if Kyrie Irving takes half the year off because that's better than putting Russ out there. But do the Nets want Russ? No, I don't see the Nets taking on Russ at all. So they're going to have to use someone like, <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to have to use someone like the Spurs or the Pacers to absor- absorb Russ in a three-way and then you got to figure out, well, where does Kyrie Irving end up? The Lakers obviously would love to take him because they're shooting for the last year or two of LeBron's prime. Um, so there's, so there's going to be a suitor or two for Kyrie Irving. But right now his market is as low as it can possibly be. And the only people who will acquire him are those who's already so bad at point guard that he's only an improvement. Yeah. And then, and I think that's, that is, is kind of the, the key there. Like you mentioned there with the, with the improvement part 
Uh, Dave, I want to thank you for taking the time out to join me. You do a great job covering the Suns for our SB Nation sister site, Bright Side of the Sun. So thank you for taking the time out to join me and, and love to have you on again. If we see maybe that the Suns end up acquiring Kevin Durant, which I'm sure you'll be over the moon at, at, at that point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, contenders <laughs> right there, man. He's he's He is a great, great player. And if, if and when that ever happens, I'm happy to come on anyone's podcast. Oh, we're looking forward to that, too. All right, that's, that's Dave King, like I mentioned. Uh, he covers the Suns for SB Nation sister site. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Dave King NBA. That'll do it for this episode of Sixers Daily. The Gastro Crew will be back on Sunday. I'll be back in the hot chair again on Monday, talking with Paul Hedrick, doing a bit of a deep dive on what's happened with the Sixers so far this offseason and wrapping up their summer league performance as well. So before I let you go, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com.